We interrupt this program to give you a bulletin just received from one of our naval units at sea. A large object traveling at supersonic speed is headed over the northern Atlantic. Once a normal, voluptuously beautiful woman, she drove into a nightmare of horror and saw descending from the sky. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. I feel retrogasmic. 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 Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Retrogasmic Podcast. I'm your happy host, DD Deluxe, and welcome to the first show of 2021. Let's hope this year is uh, slightly less traumatic than last year. Um, big love out to uh, all our listeners around the world that are currently suffering from lockdown, etc. Um, we're very, very lucky here in New Zealand that we're hopefully past the worst of it. But, uh, you know, we do feel for you guys. So stay safe, look after each other. In today's show, we have the wonderful Stephanie Canada. Um, check out her YouTube channel, which is called Stephanie Canada. Um, fascinating lady, um, very, very passionate about what she does. Um, her website is backroomfinds.com. Now, I'm not going to give away too much, but um, listen to the interview. It, uh, she's got a very particular interest that she's a, a real world expert on. And, and I think you're going to find this a really interesting chat. And all the way from Orlando, Florida, we have the lovely Stephanie Canada. Hello, Stephanie. Hello there. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Now, um, you are a fellow YouTuber, um, but uh, I've got to say, I think your channel is, is, is pretty unique. Now, we've covered all sorts of uh, retro things on the show over the last uh, couple of years, but I don't think we've ever had anyone that, uh, that basically deals in uh, clothing patterns, or I guess you'd call them, or dress, <laughs> dress patterns. Is that, is, that, yes. is that, yeah. And you're kind of encyclopedic on them. I've, I, I kind of thought, oh, I'll have a quick look at your channel. It's only, you know, it's only polite kind of thing. And I ended up going down this rabbit hole of um, what patterns are good and what aren't and people copying modern patterns and not and, and doing and, and, and then look, today I'm going to actually make a pattern, but it's, you know, I don't have a two inch waist because I'm not from the 1950s and live off cigarettes and, and you know, and it's, this kind of it's sarcasm, practicality, and and kind of retro goodness. It was wonderful. I mean, obviously, I'm a you know fairly guyish guy. You know, I play football and drink heavily, and and uh, <laughs> but but it was it was fantastic. It was really entertaining. Um, if just for the for the the listeners at home um, or listeners in their car, more likely, um, if you were going to do an elevator pitch, if you were stuck in the lift with someone and they said, "Oh, tell me about your YouTube channel," how would you how would you describe it? Uh, I would look at them, reach out my hand in non-COVID times, go, hi, my name is Stephanie Canada. Yes, like the country. No, I don't live here. And sarcasm is always free on my channel. Whether it comes to patterns or fashion, come on down and join me. And occasionally you'll find me digging through attics or really dusty places in very pretty dresses. 
You have obviously done that intro many, many times. That was beautifully done. Absolutely flawless. <laughs> I mean, the intro, honestly, was is my normal intro to my channel, but the rest of it was just like, I don't know, what would I say? Let's just Oof. go and see what comes yeah. out of my mouth. <laughs> so, I mean... <sighs> I mean, can I can I ask you a bit, a bit of personal? Uh, you obviously don't. Well, I'm assuming you don't, but kind of buy and sell patterns for a living. What, what what's your you know what's your kind of uh, at the moment your your kind of you know your your daytime job? Oh uh, well, okay. When the entire world isn't shut down, yeah. My quote day job, which isn't really a day job, it's actually also a night job. Yeah. Uh, I am an operatic stage manager, oh. and I work around the United States. Um, I got to foray over one time to Austria where they don't actually have stage managers, but they brought us over because we knew the show so well and we had 48 hours to put it up. <laughs> so so I, I do operatic stage management primarily in like Colorado, here in Florida, yeah. uh, you know, whatever company will hire me and sure. wants me to call a show. Well, see, the reason I ask is because quite often when you've got someone that's got a, a, a passion enough to start a YouTube channel, quite often when you find out what else they do, you can see there's some, you know, there's some symmetry there. And I guess uh, doing the stage management stuff is all about uh, – proper process and, and communication communicating of systems and, and details and if Absolutely. that's and if this, that, that's not there the whole thing falls apart and i guess a good pattern has to be that because i guess especially back in the 1950s i mean i remember my my mum and my grandma um getting um patterns free in magazines you know there'd be a an a-line dress mm -hmm. pattern free in you know do as your husband says weekly or whatever it was you know and it, you know, they'd unwrap them and there'd be these pieces of paper and I'd watch them and think, what the hell, you know, and they cut stuff <laughs> out and, you know, they'd carry on making dinner and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and then this dress would appear and then, yeah. you know, casually my mum would say, oh, no, I made this. And it's like, yes, we can tell it's because it's the same material as the curtains and the sofa and those pillows. <laughs> <laughs> They'd, it's all about a coordinate. Yeah. Well, no, they just buy they buy this um, material kind of cheap from. Um, we used to have a company called Sanderson's Fabrics that was in, in West London, and they owned all the arts and crafts William Morris patterns, which were oh. all those eighteen sixties ish kind of you know beautiful. If yeah. you're covering a sofa with them, not so Absolutely. much if you were going to school as an eleven year old, and it was made oh, into no. and it was made into a tank top or some nice flares. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. You mean you didn't, like, strut around be like, yes, I am the proper Victorian gentleman in my modern clothes? No, I spent a lot of time <laughs> hiding in the toilets. Oh, no. <laughs> so, so joking aside, how did you get into this? Because it's a, you know, I, I get the retro thing, obviously, but it's a very, very niche thing. It, oh, absolutely. And that's why I always joke. I'm like, I will never have 100,000 subscribers because I don't think I can convince 100,000 people <laughs> to actually listen to think, me chat about sewing patterns. Um, but what I do is uh, I actually learned also from my mother. Uh, when I was very small, my mother basically made all of her clothes. That's really what she did. She would buy an occasional T-shirt or whatever. Primarily, she made her own clothing, including those amazing 1980s blazers that we all know and yeah. hate. With the padded okay, shoulders. Okay, maybe, maybe just me hates them yeah. because the shoulder pads were insane. But so she made all of her clothes and I grew up hanging out with her in her sewing room and really watching her, not always participating. And she absolutely did not sew from vintage patterns, but I watched her sew. And unfortunately, a few years passed. 
she passed away. And there was something in me that I was just, I was grasping for something that reminded me of her, but I was also trying to be like smart with, smart with my money and how do I, you know, make her proud. And I went into this antique shop and back in the very back in this box on a table was this little hat box full of vintage patterns. And this is before like Etsy was around, but it wasn't the, the amazing, you know, craft and vintage, you know, thing that it is now. And so I was like, I wonder if this, because it so reminded me of her, all the clothing, I was just like, this all just feels right. And so I bought five of them and I brought them home and I didn't even bother to whip out my, at the time, hi, we still had smartphones. I could have looked them up, but I didn't (laughs) bother. So I get back to my hotel room at the time and I go, okay, let's just look at online and see what we have. And I looked and I was like, oh my goodness. At the, at the time, like these were going for a fair amount of money. I was like, and I had paid an actual dollar per pattern. Yep. I was like, oh, well, that could be an interesting way to kind of make a little bit of money, feel like I have a piece of my mom around all the time, and just, you know, kind of diversify. Because opera, the level I was working at back then, it wasn't the best paying. So I was trying to figure out a way to supplement my opera income with something else. And that was my something else. Gotcha. And and now I live in a house of patterns. Yeah. So I mean, I, I, um, just um, let's get get some of the plugs done. Um, can you just give us your website? Because I know I had a look at your website. It's very well laid out, and there are hundreds of patterns on there. And I was yes. surp- I was really surprised at the variety of stuff that you can get a pattern for. I mean, just, just give us give us the give us the the address. Sure. So if you're looking for my website, it is www.backroomfinds.com. That's all one word, B-A-C-K-R-O-O-M-F-I-N-D-S. Backroomfinds.com. Cool. Yeah. Um, and I do recommend, even if you're a, you know, a, a, a dodgy guy with um, no kind of ability to make clothing and barely put your socks on properly – Go and have a look because it's actually fascinating. I I looked at some of the listings. I was actually surprised at how much some of them go for. I mean, there was. Yeah. I I figured, oh, you know, if it was a like a classic sixties mini dress or something like that, someone might well. And I thought, ah, oh, surely you can just Google it and find one that someone scanned in. But then, of course, you really you need the actual physical piece of uh, whatever that paper is to lay down on the cloth, so you can kind of mark it out in chalk and see. It needs to be the physical thing in a way, doesn't it? Well, it does and it doesn't. There are definitely certain people that have gone through the time to digitize them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, for things like 60s A-line dresses, a lot of people don't take the time because, well, they're they're pretty straightforward. Oh, they yeah. aren't too terribly different yeah. than modern day A-lines. So that's why, like, if you go to my site and you're like, why is this A-line dress? Like, five dollars. That's because it's a 1960s A-line dress. And really, gotcha. it doesn't take a whole lot. But there's still... It's more for me, it's the actual texture. There's something so amazing to know that this piece of paper in my hands has survived, in some cases, over a hundred years and made it to me to be found either a safe haven for or to be made into an actual physical garment for the first time, maybe ever. Sure. And it's, there's something about that I feel like I'm partaking in history. So, I feel like I'm there. So a hundred years. Now I was gonna. I mean, I had a quick look on your on the, the first couple of you know, listings on your your website. 
I didn't realize patterns had been around that long. So patterns, yeah, eighteen. Uh, oh, I'm gonna get this wrong. Eighteen eighty-six or eighteen ninety-six? I can't remember which one. Wow. But they've been around a long time. I actually do have a paper pattern that was in a Weldon's magazine, and I think the date on it was 1895. Holy. That's the oldest one that I've ever physically laid hands on. Wow. So, I mean, what kind of money do the do the really rare ones? Because obviously there must be a, a pattern collecting community out there. There must be people that are kind of equally fascinated as you are. What 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 What's the top kind of money that these go for? I mean, they can go for as much as someone's asking. Whether or not people <laughs> will pay it is an entirely different question. Yeah. Now, for me, uh, my bread and butter is... Uh, if I can get my hands on 1930s, I absolutely will. But really, my my go-to are 1940s and 1950s. So in the 1940s to the 1950s patterns, you're looking at an average range. Uh, let's just take a, a standard women's dress. So like you're looking at a women's dress pattern just to like narrow it down a little. And you're looking at a shirtwaist dress pattern. So those can range standardly from like 12 to like 25 if there's some really interesting details. Now, where you're going to start to see the high value is when there are designers behind it or when it's a Vogue pattern. Or let's say this pattern is, let's say we've got all the all the bells and whistles. So you've got a 1950s designer Vogue pattern uh, and it's never been used, which is pretty impressive to make it 70 years and have never been touched. Sure. So you're looking, you could be looking at something from like about $95. Uh, and I think the most I have ever personally sold for a uncut factory folded is $275. Wow. But that was a Landvin pattern that was super detailed and had never been used and was a really good bust size. Gotcha. Like, and by what I mean by good bust size is 36 and up. So you're not looking at the smallest. Now, most of us also are not bust 36 nowadays, but at least at a bust 36, scaling is more possible from that size as from a bust 30. So, so were the older patterns, did they tend to be smaller then? So the law of scarcity uh, sort of dictates what is left. Oh, I see. It's not necessarily that there were less of them or more of them it's that let's say you are going into your very first home economics class you are a teenage girl you're excited to learn how to sew and your mother took you to the store and got you three gorgeous dress patterns right yeah and you're in the 1950 and you're ready to take on these patterns well you you know you what 13 14 so you're going to be pretty small because a lot of these actually started to be based around age. So at some point, a size 12 was actually based on a 12-year-old girl. And so, okay, but now you're 14, you've hit puberty, and you're now the next size up. But you only used one dress pattern in your home economics course. Are you going to throw away the two patterns you never used? No. No. You're going to put them in a box, probably, or maybe you're going to hand them to a neighbor or a friend. Maybe they use one, maybe they don't. But that law dictates that when those were bought, they were much smaller and for a much shorter time frame. Uh And so the larger patterns absolutely were created. I have found it mainly in catalogs. You can go up to like a bust 54, 56. But if you're you will be literally one in a million chance of actually finding those still existing. 
gotcha. because those were the patterns that were made by the mothers or the grandmothers and then handed to her church friend and then she plastered off to her neighbor and then until it's actually falling apart and can no longer be used amazing so so it's the same as every, any other market i guess then so the, the scarcity and the likelihood right. of finding them is what it is what the value is rather than the Absolutely. actual design well let's um let's uh let's play some music i know you're a, a big fan of kind of uh the, the the era of music that matches your your, your patterns. Um, I'm going to start with your your f- self-professed favourite song. Um, <laughs> this is from 1958. This is the lovely Peggy Lee and, of course, Fever. Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get a fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever When you kiss me, fever When you hold me tight Fever In the morning A fever all through the night Sun lights up the daytime, moon lights up the night. I light up when you call my name, and you know I'm gonna treat you right. You give me fever when you kiss me, fever when you hold me tight. Fever in the morning, a fever all through the night. Everybody's Got the fever, that is something you all know Fever isn't such a new thing, fever started long ago Romeo loved Juliet, Juliet she felt the same When he put his arms around her He said, Julie, baby, you're my flame, thou givest fever When we kiss it, fever with thy flaming use Fever, I'm a fire Fever, yea, I burn forsooth Captain Smith and Pocahontas had a very mad affair When her daddy tried to kill him She said, Daddy, oh, don't you dare Give me fever With his kisses, fever When he holds me tight Fever I'm his missus Daddy, won't you treat him right Now you've listened to my story Here's the point that I have made Chicks were born to give you fever Be it Fahrenheit or centigrade To give you fever When you kiss them fever If you live you learn Fever Till you sizzle What a lovely way to burn What a lovely way to burn What a lovely way Burn. What a lovely way to burn. 
mentioned the the ladies at church um, fashioning their own patterns. Um, do, do you deal in patterns that are obviously homemade? Because obviously uh, Hetty, my other half, um, is a huge vintage clothes kind of uh, fan. In fact, there's there's two or three square meters of our house that don't have vintage clothing in them now. <laughs> and, but but, uh, but one thing thing I've noticed, especially um, the fifties and sixties stuff, a lot of it is homemade and beautifully homemade. Um, yes. Is that same thing applied to the patterns do you have homemade patterns that have survived and then end up being kind of uh, traded in on in the modern marketplace sometimes uh when you get a handmade from the past pattern those actually in my in my experience don't actually hold any real value because what you were looking at is usually based on newspaper and unfortunately that newspaper even if it like got tucked into an envelope or an you know some type of holder and labeled with what it was unfortunately that newsprint is so fragile that even if you unfold it one time you've more than likely just shattered the entire thing as if oh, you're pulling it apart because okay. the newsprint is so much more fragile than actual tissue paper tissue paper stands up to the test of time much better than the acid-laden newsprint or the acid-laden, even the instructions inside these patterns. Like, they tend to get more crumbly and sad and torn, even than the tissue paper, so long as the acid from the paper hasn't leached into the tissue paper. Aha, okay. So, um, what's the, the Koh-i-Noor? What's the, the kind of the crown jewels? Um, if there was a single pattern that you know or you've heard tell of that exists for your own collection, what would it be? Oh, I'm not going to be able to remember the number, <laughs> but I can describe it. So I also will, in these boxes, you, t you tend to find catalogs, right, that also go along with the patterns. They're not as, you know, often, and they're normally in sad shape. But I remember there was one Marion Martin, which is an, a U.S.-based mail-order pattern group. It was Ann Adams and Marion Martin. They were kind of the dominant two through, like, like 1930s to, like, 1950s. Uh, Marion Martin lasted a little longer. But either way, in, I believe it was 50 or 51, Marion Martin released this amazing, it's a fitted waist and it's a it's actually a tie top so there's two bodice pieces that have ties at the shoulders but the ties are longer and so what it allowed you to do is it shows the model like taking the left strap and the right strap and crossing it over across her front and then you know all these different ways that you can tie this bodice it's a pretty standard fit and flare dress but that top is just chef's kiss huh. i need it I want it. I can't find it in anything more than a size. I, I found one size 12 one time online. It wasn't from me. And I was just like, I, and even now I'm like, I don't think I can size up from a bus 30 to my current bus size. I'm like, I just don't, that's a little far for me, but man, eventually, eventually, hopefully we'll get there. So, Sizing stuff up and sizing stuff down. In my head, I'm thinking, okay, so you've got the uh, you've got the piece of tissue paper for the the side panel or whatever it is, and you draw around that with the chalk, and that's your size 12. So if it was for a size 14, you just add a couple of inches all round. Surely, obviously, it doesn't work like that. Well, 
it does and it doesn't because at a certain point if you do that like you can do that like safely for like a half inch maybe an inch if you take into account changing the darts and whatever pleating detail you're looking at uh but beyond about an inch of doing that it starts to get a little wonky so what you have to do is a lot of what the modern people do is called slash and spread where you're actually taking the pattern and you're cutting it in like two or three places up and down. And depending on how, you know, how it needs to go lengthwise, maybe one or two places to slowly spread out the proportions, readjust the lines. And then if you need to do it again and again and again to get to your size, then that's what you do. Uh, the, okay. the problem is, is I am desperately impatient and I refuse to do that. So <laughs> I tend to, I tend to just do, I, I look for my 1940s book where it says to basically cut one end up and like gently spread it open and then make it work from there. And that's pretty much what I do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's a science. Let's have another piece of music. This is um, another one of your, uh, your chosen artists. Um, you said anything from, Bing Crosby and you kind of pretty much said anything that's got a decent big band and yep. I had a dig around and this is this is a, a live version of of That's Jazz from 1957 uh, it's Bing singing uh, it's Louis Armstrong on uh, on trumpet and uh, yeah I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll in the in the, uh, the in the description, I'll I'll put the rest of the musicians that are in here. It's got it, this is like a who's who of, of jazz musicians of the time. Ooh, so, so that's nice. this is that's jazz from 1957. Dear captives of the coaxial cable, some friends of mine in the trade have come here to show you how, uh, precisely how, or roundabout jazz music is made Well, you take some skin Jazz begins Take a bass And now we're getting someplace Take a box One that rocks Take a blue horn New Orleans bar Take a stick with a leg. Take a bone and hold the phone. Take a spot, cool and hot. Now you has jazz, 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 jazz. Let two dots on. Swagger, watch him. He's a mess. Now, Mr. Faraday. Let 
listen to well, you know who. fashion designers design clothes but do they then I mean they, they, if they're designing haute couture or, or st- some, something for a commercial uh, fashion line I'm assuming they make the thing and the thing is made and then it gets licensed or whatever who makes the patterns how does that is that something that happens kind of retrospectively do they okay that's the the new look or the you know whatever it is designer piece let's take this apart and turn it i mean how does that happen how does it go like backwards from the finished garment to then a pattern that someone else can have a go at at home with their sewing machine well it depends so if you're looking for things that are like runway level of designer you actually normally don't see even the finished garments of those even available those are what you see walking down the runway normally has nothing to do with what actually is from that season other than like giving a color palette or an inspiration or this is what this would look like if we took everything and dialed it up to 11. So what you're actually looking at when it comes to like a finished garment, because like, yeah, like Vogue absolutely has paired with designers for years and years and years and years and years. Um, you know, Pierre Cardin got, may he rest in peace. Uh, you know, like all these really big designers, they pair with them. And so I am just going to say, uh, just as a disclaimer here, I have never been to fashion school. I have been to theater school. That's where I learned what I know. So yeah. if it's wrong for fashion, I apologize to those listening. <laughs> I went to, co- I, I did costumes. I did not sure. do like really nice uh, couture classes. But I guess in a and, way, what you've had to do is, you know, you, you get your, uh, you get your your lady soprano or whatever, and and you've you've got your you know the costumes, and um, you know I, I guess initially they'd say oh she's a size whatever it is, and then they the costumes made to that, and then when you you've got to then make it fit 
properly so that it looks the part but so she can still breathe you know oh, so, yeah. so you have to kind of think on your feet and I guess you're pinning people into stuff and making adjustments and you know so I guess that gives you an understanding of the uh, uh, more of the actual structure of the garment rather than just the kind yeah. of the, the aesthetic yeah and it depends um uh, like if you're talking about opera then the reference is a lot of the times we actually rent big packages of pre-made costumes and we send them the measurements for our cast and they send us the closest garments to that knowing that we are going to make alterations and then that the same team will then restore the garment at the end of the run oh. back to its original size so it's not quite the same but it is almost the same if you're thinking of like designing a show designs go from the designer draws the sketches and really colors it in and really gets to know what he's looking for. And then that goes to the cutter draper and they're going to be the ones that look at their, at the drawing and put it into reality. And that for me is a step that I'm just like, what? Yeah. That's that's my My brain doesn't work in that level of 3d. I am well and good. So after the cutter draper, it's it, sometimes different per person, sometimes two people. But after that person has done all the work, then exactly. They then take out all the pens. They take out all the things. And they're making sure that they marked on this muslin with all the darts, all the notches, all the zipper, all the whatever they put onto it. And then they take that off of the garment and lay the entire piece of fabric out and then put the paper on it and transfer it from there. Wow. And that's at least how we do it for like a new show costume design. And then from there, like you have to take into account, like you've already taken into account people's measurements before the Draper gets it. Cause like they get their measurements, they get the correct dress form, things like that. That's yeah. That's, that's mind blowing. That's absolutely mind blowing for me. See, I, I can't even look at, look at a pair of jeans and, 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 and guess whether or not they'll fit me. Even if I hold, <laughs> even if I hold them up to me, I always think, yes, they'll fit. And then, yeah. It's, it's you get home and you're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. So, okay, look, just just say someone's been listening to this and they were kind of, uh, you know, always had a thing about vintage fashion and and the whole retro look, and they they fancy having a crack at getting into making some stuff and and think that getting a, a, a few old patterns and doing it themselves would be a good idea. Uh, to a newbie, what's the best way of getting started? The best way to get started is go to your local thrift store. Honest to goodness, go to like two or three thrift stores, find a bed sheet or a curtain or some cheapo piece of fabric that you can buy to practice on. So that's okay. step one. Get yourself cheapo fabric. Yep. Step two, go to the craft area and find a pattern that looks like, because like some, some actual thrift stores have like really great sections some of them have really not so great or they don't exist so if you go to your thrift store and they have it go find one that says like jiffy or simple to sew look for very few lines look for very few pieces because the fewer the pieces the less piecing together and having to figure out how this thing works it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a hundred percent easier but it does mean that you have to do less original mental math to put your piece of paper onto the fabric and go, will this work? Hmm. And if let's say there isn't one on there and, or like your thrift store doesn't have it, 
you know, talk to a friend, talk to your, your grandma, your grandma's friends. I can almost guarantee you someone in your six degrees of separation has an old pattern that they either don't want, forgot they had, or they have a friend that does. Gotcha. So don't, don't spend a whole lot originally because the vintage sewing patterns tend to, for, well, they don't forget at the time, the home economics courses that were taught were so much more robust in the ways of sewing and how to really work your garment, how to match your plaid, how to cut out the pieces, how to do the understitching and the top stitching and all the little nitty gritty that we absolutely don't teach now. No, sure. I, I'm pretty sure in my home economics class, I got taught how to make a stuffed animal. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, just really ask a friend, phone a friend, find a bed sheet, cut it up, make yourself something. That's uh, if you want to just start at the very, very beginning, really get into it. And also just remember you're going to make mistakes, but it's okay. <laughs> because I definitely have projects, even in this room that I can look at that I go, Oh, I didn't do that right. But it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, I finished the thing. It's done. It can go onto my body in whatever state it's in, and I can proudly say, I made this thing. And you know what? No one's going to know if you messed up. No, for sure. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's great advice. And don't forget, once, once you're, I'm assuming that everyone listening now is going to start making their own clothes because you've been so evangelical and inspirational. <laughs> uh, backroomfinds.com, yes? Yes. Backroomfinds.com. Um, just a little disclaimer, if you're ever at my house, don't go in the back room because what you find there will really put you off. Oh, dear. It's, it's, it, it's not good. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Joking, I'll edit that out. So, look, thank you so much for being on the show, Stephanie Canada. Go and have a look at her YouTube channel. Um, it's it's very entertaining. Um, she delivers things with a, a, a very kind of tongue in cheek kind of. Uh, um, well, yes, I, I highly recommend it. It's 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 great fun. Thank you so much for talking to us, and uh, I think we'll we'll leave with one more of your choices. Um, if we're going to talk big bands, we can't uh, we can't miss out Glenn Miller. This is, of course, in the mood from 
Well, sadly, that's the end of another show. Thank you once again to our truly wonderful guest, Stephanie Canada. Don't forget, check out her eponymously, is that right? Eponymously titled YouTube channel. Anyway, it's called Stephanie Canada, uh, P-H-A-N-I-E for Stephanie. And, uh, of course, just jump on our website, have a, have a scrubble around um, backroomfinds.com there's some really interesting stuff on there and it's you know this was this was a real new experience for me and it was fascinating thanks for listening um be safe look after each other do the washing the hands and mask and distancing stuff if you're in a country where you need to and uh let's hope 2021 is a better year see you later see you next month Retro-gasmic. Retro-gasmic.